The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and went to live at Capernaum by the sea, in the region of Nebulun and Nataphtali, and that what had been said through Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sit in darkness have seen a great light. On those dwelling in the land, overshadowed by death, light has arisen. From that time on, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the sea. They were fishermen. He said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. He walked along from there and saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. He called them and immediately left their boat and their father and followed him. He went around all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and curing every disease and illness among the people. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. When I was in high school, one of my friends, uh, he was kind of politically minded, and so we had, uh, really strangely, as high school students having political conversations and discord about different things. It also helped that I was uh, took a liking to economics, and so that kind of helped uh, some of that. And so very politically minded uh, as a high school student and wasn't as, as religious or at least deeply religious at that time. When I went to college, though, I, it was where I started to kind of come into my own, start to learn what the Catholic Church actually taught from more than just uh, kind of I don't know, a kid perspective where you don't really understand much or really take much. And so as, as I was starting to kind of learn what Catholicism taught and, and what it was, I started to realize that my alignments were more political than they were religious. And that was an important turning point for me to realize that the more important Alliance that I have, the more important way that I see this world is not political because ultimately political is always failed. It's always flawed. It's always human. It's always opinion. It's always passing and coming and going. But the more important way that we look at the world is from a Catholic perspective, a Christian perspective. And that perspective is important because it is transcended thousands of years, specifically 2,000 for, you know, since Jesus Christ. But we see that the Catholic way of looking at the world transcends beyond that to Judeo-Christian understanding of the world and that we take much of our morality, much of our understanding of the human person and who God is, certainly from the Old Testament, and that it is come to full light in the New Testament. And so whenever we have kind of different discords within Catholicism, I think it's always important for us to understand what we're supposed to be. Because 
even, uh, even Catholicism at times can get political, right? Where there's different sides to it, where St. Paul talks about it today. Well, I belong to Paul. I belong to Apollos. I belong to Cephas. I belong to Christ. Well, how do we understand that? Well, one of the things that I love about Catholicism is that there is a huge amount of diversity. There are, uh, there are um, charismatic Catholics that pray like Pentecostals. There are traditional Catholics that pray only in Latin. There are Catholics who are all over this place. It's one of the beautiful things of the universality of Catholicism is that it's expressed in all the different cultures of the world. But yet, there's a unity. And where does that unity come? Well, it comes in Christ. Who was crucified for you? Who died for you? Wasn't uh, one specific kind of idea of expression, but was Jesus Christ, which transcends all cultures, all times, all political uh, kind of alliances. And one of the ways that uh, Catholicism and Christianity should form us, especially, is on our care of the poor. Uh, one of uh, one, uh, one bishop put it this way that, that I love, just the clarity of it. From He was preaching on Matthew 25, which is the story about the sheep and the goats. And the sheep are given, a, given eternal life and heaven and the rewards of heaven because they helped serve the poor and the goats didn't. And so he says from that, he says, if we ignore the poor, we will go to hell. If we do nothing to ease their burdens then we will go to hell. That's one of the things that I think uh, is so important for us as Catholics is to understand that that is one of the most important kind of parts of Catholicism that we can need to look at and always understand is that we are united. We, uh, as a Catholic church, are the largest charitable organization to have ever existed. But the most important charity that we offer is not by kind of monetary adding up or in all the different areas. Uh, Mother Teresa as well, you know, kind of beautifully put this forth. The most important charity that we offer and the the only one that really matters is, I shouldn't say that, the only one that really matters. Almsgiving is incredibly important, even if it doesn't, uh, if it benefits somebody who we don't know. But uh, it needs to be always done. It can't be done without the charity of those around us, right? needs to be done intimately with caring for, being compassionate, and helping the burdens of those around us, always. That's what should unite us as Christians. We shouldn't have a Catholic understanding that, again, divides us in a way, but in a way that one of the, the most important aspects that we have is this care of the poor. Now, uh, today, tomorrow is, uh, well, actually, I'm... I'm a little bit confused because it, it doesn't really matter too much, but uh, is anniversary of Roe versus Wade, which was overturned last year. And we as Catholics, the Catholic Church believes that life begins at conception and goes to natural death, and that the care of the poor stretches that whole span from conception to natural death, and that we are here to lift the burden, to care for the poor in all its stages, and to protect it. Now, the reality is, is that we can't do it in every, every time. It's one of the sad things 
is that Jesus even says, the poor you'll always have with you. We'll always have poor with us. And partly the reason for that, so that we can continue to serve. We can continue to uh, seek and to lift and care for those poor and those vulnerable around us. In the military, we experience this to a certain degree where we uh, ourselves are here to hopefully, in the best sense possible, to defend those who are vulnerable, to defend our family and our friends back home, and to prevent right, any ill that would happen to people. Now, again, the military is not perfect. Uh, we're not perfect either. Uh, but that should be our intention. Our intention is to care for every life because it is valuable. Now, the most important life, I would say, are those who are most vulnerable and those who are most poor, which is the exact opposite of the way that the worldly understanding is of it, right? In the world, who's the most valuable person? The people who are richest, right? The people who contribute the most, the people who can contribute back to society, who can help other people. Well, Catholicism, in our understanding, should say, actually, it's, it's not the people who most contribute to the world that are most valuable, but the people who are actually most vulnerable and the most poor are actually the most valuable thing that this world has because they are actually the means to our salvation. They're not just means in themselves, but they are uh, this great gift to us and that they are more, vul- they are more, uh, more important than just someone who contributes to society, that we don't value people on the way that they contribute to the world, but instead we value them because they are a life and that we desire and to desire to take care of them. And so I would encourage us to understand our Catholic view of the world to care for life at all its stages, from conception to natural death. It was one of, again, one of my uh, kind of challenges in my uh, in college was kind of this confrontation. If I believe that life actually begins at conception because it's a different DNA than the mother, that at the very moment uh, at that one cell where there is a different DNA than the mother, that I, if I believe that at that moment of conception that life begins, then what am I actually doing about it? Do I actually care for that child or do I not? Or do I just say that I believe and that I care about it, but I do it more in a political sense than in a Christian sense? We need to do it not from political sense, which gets things so muddied and confusing and just ugly. And we need to do it from a Christian perspective, one that actually cares for each individual life each individual person. And this is where I would encourage us to, again, within our own life, to have a a pro-life, a pro-life approach to life, which isn't political, but is embedded within your care for the poor, which says that I am going to care for those who are vulnerable around me. I'm going to extend a hand. I am going to take the inconvenience and care for those around me that I will sacrifice money and resources and funds to care for those who need it. That is a real pro-life Christian way of understanding the world. How do we talk about it as well? 
I think that's one really important thing, is that we just don't uh, talk about it uh, as a bad thing, but as something... um, So this is one of the the problems at times. We want to, again, as a Catholic and a Christian perspective, we want to avoid pregnancy outside of marriage because we want to reserve uh, sexual intimacy within marriage between a man and a woman. But sometimes sin happens. And sometimes there are unplanned pregnancy. How do we talk about that with other people? Do we talk about it just in a judgmental way? Or do we talk about it also in a compassionate way? One of the saddest things is that most people who have abortion are, say because they have no choice. They have no choice. They're not making a choice. They have no choice. We need to open up the conversation and say, and really with our actions, with our words and our actions to say, you do have a choice. I'm here. I'm willing to support. I'm willing to help. I'm willing to do whatever I can. That we talk with our children, our family, and friends and say, if you're in a bad situation, I want to help you. I don't, I'm not here to judge you about something else that happened in the past, but I'm here to help you with where you are. And if you find yourself in a bad place, I'm here for you because I love you and I care for you. And we're going to make it through. Okay? This is the type of conversation that we need to have with those around us. Uh, the reality is, is that we're fallen. We're human. <laughs> We do stupid things, but we need to uh, always have that underlying understanding and care and compassion for every single life because that's what we believe and that's what we need to act on and actually do. Now, we also, uh, with those who have abortions as well, that can be a very difficult place for individuals, a very pl- much a place of sensitivity. In fact, uh, sadly so, there are, are well, anyways, um, uh, so if that is a place of sadness, if that is a place of difficulty, if you encounter someone who has had an abortion and they're struggling with it, there are resources to help that healing process, which, can, which is needed. Again, not a place of judgment, not a place where uh, we want to uh, politicize it, but a place of compassion, of caring for each individual person. And so there's one uh, beautiful ministry called Rachel's Vineyard that actually has weekend retreats for women who have had abortions or also uh, fathers as well that have uh, suffered from that as well. And the, the weekend is there to help care for those men and women, mainly women, but uh, increasingly so men as well, uh, and to care for those who have lost a child in that way. Um, and so we need to have that type of compassion in a pro-life understanding as well. That, again, politicizing it and other things, uh, that's not primarily who we are. Who we are should be the most important thing is that we are Christians, that we are Catholic, and that we care for every life from conception to natural death. And that's done by our beliefs, our words, but especially our actions. And so I pray that we might have a culture of life which values every single life, especially those who are most vulnerable. Again, what I'd say is, is, is those children in the womb who are most vulnerable, who are most poor, who don't contribute to the world at all, but yet are valuable because they are a person. Um, and we need to care for them in every single way that we can.
and we need to care for those around us and put our money where our mouth is. How much do we care? Do we really believe about this? Now, again, uh, there's not a huge amount of places, pregnancy help centers that we can necessarily uh, volunteer for around here. However, there are plenty of resources for uh, pregnant mothers. That's one place to help. Uh, Back home to research and to think about a maternity home. It's one of my favorite kind of places that the Uh, that the pro-life movement has been able to help support is women with unplanned pregnancies who want to have their child, but again, are in difficult places. To be able to have a home to go to, to have support of those around them, well, we can put money and time and effort towards that as well. And to ultimately as well to uh, talk to those around us, not in a political manner, but in one of true compassion and care that's, again, lived out, not just in one way, but lived out in our whole life. And so we come here to ask for that help and that grace because we always need that with, uh, with Jesus Christ, especially with difficult conversations to come before Jesus and to ask and to say, how can I help? How can I actually uh, live this out? Because, again, I'll... Uh, Remind us again, if we ignore the poor, we will go to hell. If we do nothing to ease their burdens, then we will go to hell. Now, again, we don't want to do it just to avoid hell. But it's important to note that we can live a great life. And if we don't serve the poor, Jesus's story of Matthew 25 gives it pretty clear. That it's not just morality of staying away from sin that's important, but it's also serving the poor and doing good. And so let us uh, ask for that guidance, that uh, discernment, the prudence of how best to live that out in our life so that, again, we might be a light in the darkness and might uh, help all life to be valued.